0: Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Rego's Rag Podcast. Ian Cummings here, and uh, we're here to talk about the Panthers game. The Redskins actually won. They actually played pretty well. They won 29-21. Uh, it was a four-quarter affair. They were down 14-0 early, and then they just roared back and didn't really look back. Didn't look behind them, and uh, they ended up pulling away with it. Carolina almost made it close at the end, but the uh, Redskins managed to pull it out. They're now 3-9 and nine with four games left in the regular season. Uh, so we're going to talk about, we're going to recap the Panthers game, uh, go through who played well, who might have disappointed, you know, stuff like that, implications, all that good stuff. I'm um, here with Rago's Rag writer, David Guffey. Uh, David joined us, uh, I think a month ago, was it? I, I forgot. He joined us recently. He's our most recent addition, and he's had some good content up on the site of Dan Snyder article if you want to check it out. Uh, but David, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. My first podcast appearance. Uh, it's it's fun stuff, man. It's fun stuff. I I tend to ramble, so if I ramble, just just let me know and I will um, <laughs> I will I will refrain from doing so. These podcasts are never scripted, guys. We just kind of we just kind of go on and uh, see where see what the conversation takes us. So let's dive right in. Uh, the Panthers game. The Redskins 129-21. Uh, David, it, it was I think I think it's not brash to say it was their best showing yet this season. Uh, what did you think about what you saw on Sunday?
1: It, it was. And, of course, when they gave up two you know, relatively decent touchdown drives in the beginning, they are 75 and 55 yards. You're thinking, okay, this is going to be uh, kind of the standard uh, Redskins uh, theme. Uh, get down early, struggle to get back into it, lose a game, and we're on to 2-10. and 10. Um, But I thought one of the real positives I got out of that game was, first off, they beat a team that they should have beaten. And I think for any team that is going through what the Redskins are going through, um, you've got to start beating the teams that you ought to beat. I don't think that Washington should beat Baltimore. I don't think that they should beat uh, a team like San Francisco. But I do think they should beat a team— like Detroit, and they should beat a team uh, like Carolina, especially when Carolina is struggling uh, containing the run, and that's Callahan's uh, forte. That's what he wants to do is run the ball. But So when they got down 14 nothing, I'm just shaking my head thinking, oh, here we go again. And I really appreciated the fact that they didn't give up. And I don't know if that's because there's been a change in coaching. I don't know if that, uh, you know, victory over the over the Lions, uh, you know, got them more enthused, uh, or or what it was, but it was great to see them not get down, and that, to me, was one of the biggest pluses of that game.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, it really, it it did kind of feel like the classic Redskins game archetype, you know, like, oh, okay, here we go, we can uh, can kick back a little bit, I can turn on another TV show or something, I can divert my attention, because this is not going to be pretty, and uh, they just came right back, and they, they really surprised a lot of people, and I think that comeback after the 14 nothing deficit was really uh, sparked by the defense and how they were playing. They were playing, Greg Minuski, his bunt, he's been the subject of a lot of criticism this year, um, but I guess you got to give him credit. I mean, if you criticize him, you got to give him credit too. Uh, he he brought a great game plan and they seem to be adjusting, you know, on the fly too. Like after they got down 14-0, it's like, all right, let's switch things up. And they, they really put the pressure on Kyle Allen. Uh, they negated Christian McCaffrey from the game plan and they suffocated Carolina's offense. I mean, what did you think about Greg Minusky's uh, performance in that game? Because he was really—I think—the Redskins' talent on defense was also coming to play. I mean, at, at seven sacks without Ryan Kerrigan, though. That—that that, you got to attribute that to a little bit of scheme, a little bit of play calling. And uh, Minoski really had a great showing. Uh, for all the ire he's drawn, what do you think about that, and how it might add up in the bigger picture pertaining to his job
1: security? Uh, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to determine where that fits within the job security. You know, I, I was a fan of Greg when he was with the Redskins, when he played with the Redskins. And I remember he was always a favorite of, of uh, John Madden just because of the way he played. And I certainly expected when he came to the Redskins that he would sort of coat with that kind of – and he really hasn't. It. It's always been kind of standard four-man front, you know, blitz here and there, but, but nothing really unique. Um, and certainly, nothing that, that seemed to um, really be overly aggressive. Yesterday was the first time that I can remember in a game, a full game, where the Redskins were you know, putting seven, eight guys up in that box. They're getting after the quarterback. They're realizing the quarterback's weaknesses, and they're exploiting that. And, and after those first two touchdown drives, they felt like they got much more aggressive. Um, certainly, Ioannidis played a great game. You know, I, I think Montez Sweat is, is finally starting to bear fruit, and we're starting to see – how this guy is is coming around as a player. Uh, And I think Greg Minuski played to the weakness of the other team, and I think that's very important. I I don't think he's done that all year long, and yesterday seemed to be the first time where he really played to what those weaknesses were, and it showed. Seven sacks, and to keep um, McCaffrey to at or around 100 yards total and out of the end zone is really quite remarkable.
0: Yeah, it really is, and I had McCaffrey on my fantasy team, so I was really counting for a little bit more than nine points. But uh, that's that's okay, Minoski. We'll take we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. So it was a very impressive showing, uh, especially when you consider they were missing Kerrigan, uh, you know, and the communication issues. It's been rife with that in secondary this season, and they really shored that up. And it's the game started out ugly, like it's like all right, this is going to be bad, and then they fixed it. You know, adjusting on a fly like that has not been a strength of the Redskins uh, this year. So that was promising to see. Do you see this being like a sustainable change for Mnuski? Because uh, like you said, I mean, it's, it hasn't happened often. I don't know if this is like a one-time thing, but or maybe he's learned something along the way. He's starting to kind of accumulate knowledge and insight and uh, learn from his experience. I, I would hope so. I would hope so. But uh, what do you think about that?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm not I, – I just don't know. I mean, that's always been sort of the – the theme of the Redskins coaching staff. You know, you, you know, when Gruden was coaching, you know, you'd get some of these great games and great play calling, and, and then it, it would suffer from um, what appeared to be, um, you know, lack of creativity. Yeah. Um, you hope that Greg learns from this. You hope that he looks at this and says, "Okay, I really got to start playing more to what those weaknesses are, and um, accentuating what my strengths are." You know, you, you bring up Kerrigan, not playing, you know, I've always been a huge Ryan Kerrigan fan from, for a number of reasons. One, I love the way he plays the game. Two, you know, the way he acts on and off the field, I think, is is really a, a great testament to the type of player he is and the type of role model he is, a very, you know, very exemplary uh, professional who I think provides leadership. But I think Ryan is also sort of, uh, you know, on that downside of his career. You know, he's played a lot of games. I mean, what, 130-some or 140-some straight yeah. games played. Um, You know, so other players are having to step up. And I almost wonder if yesterday was not only a a result of Minuski uh, being more creative, but also with the lack of Ryan there. Somebody stepped up and said, hey, you know, we got to take this on our shoulders to be better. We don't have Ryan to lean on. We don't have that presence on the outside, that speed rusher that we've always had. And it just seemed like maybe all of those things came together yesterday uh, in, in sort of a perfect storm for the Redskins to make it a really great effort.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It definitely looks like they, they were not giving up, even without their leader. They really played four quarters. And, you know, every time every time the Panthers' offense came on the field, you think, well, okay, they've got talent. They're going to break out this time. Uh, well, they got in their way a lot, too. I mean, the Panthers got in their own way. Kyle Allen, his pocket presence and all that. That was that was ugly. He really helped out the rush, but at the same time, they did a good job of disrupting it. And They, they were opportunistic, and that's all you can hope for from a defense is that they take what the offense gives them and really – Exploits the weaknesses, like you said, and we saw that. Hopefully, it's a sustainable change because Minoski he's being evaluated too. I mean, everyone's being evaluated. I would hope at this stage uh, because they need to figure out what they want to do for the long-term future when they turn over to the new era uh, this offseason. So we'll see. um Speaking of new eras, moving on to the offense, uh, let's talk about the young guys. I mean, first off, Darius guys, man, holy cow! Like that—that that guy had a breakout game. I mean. Outstanding. Only 10 carries, but he made the most of it. 129 yards, two touchdowns. Um, the young core in the receiving core didn't do as well. McLaurin was handled pretty easily by James Bradbury. Uh, but Kelvin Harmon showed some promise. Uh, three receptions, 51 yards. And then um, Stephen Sims also, they were trying to get him involved. Dwayne Haskins is still learning, but he's showing some growth in areas, certain areas. What do you think about this young core on offense and what the potential holds for the future?
1: Well, you know, when you listen to local D.C. sports radio, you hear uh, a lot of people who are very down on Haskins. And, and again, I, I sort of understand that. Sure, he's kind of out. He doesn't have a large body of work. But I think you have to be um, reasonable and logical in the way we look at what his development is going to be. He didn't do anything spectacular yesterday, but he didn't do anything spectacular, meaning spectacularly bad. No interceptions, no fumbles. You know, he shifted his pocket presence when he needed to. He had a couple of good runs. You know, we weren't expecting maybe a guy that could, could move with his feet, and, and I think he showed some capability of moving with his feet. There were still those progression issues where, you know, he's he's maybe not making them as fast as he needs to, and certainly against a defense like uh, Baltimore or, or Seattle or the 49ers, you know, that could become a real issue. But he does show the promise and the potential – Um, that I think everybody was hoping for. You know, whether or not he turns out to be the legitimate number one pick, we thought he was, uh, jury's out. But you have to give him a full 16 games. And a game like yesterday, a game like Detroit, again, the ones that you have to win are the games where you can really let him develop as a player. He's not under quite as much pressure. It allows him to build some confidence. And like anything in life, when a player gets that confidence – that's all they need. And then all of a sudden, they start doing things. Things start clicking. Things start mattering. Uh, definitely, I, I think Haskins, uh, we've got to give him a full 16 games to really start evaluating him. But I did like what I saw. Geis scares me every time he runs for a couple of reasons. One, I think the guy's going to go to the house every time, and I love that. But he is a Clinton Portis type runner where he just bowls right through you. And as we know, that, you know, I think that really shortened. Uh, Portis's career. I, I admired the guy immensely for the way, even during preseason games, he would go right through players. He would, you know, take a, a linebacker on or a lineman on. Uh, I, I hope guys maybe makes a little bit of adjustment instead of trying to run over everybody. Learns that maybe there's a time to step out of bounds. But he yeah. certainly showed the explosiveness, the, the vision, and even the patience to wait for those blocks to happen so he could spring that big run. And I think those were two really big positives in that offense.
0: Yeah, for sure. And talk about Geist and the wear and tear aspect is definitely a big part of it when you look at his uh, play style. I remember when I was scouting him out of LSU, man, he was um, – I, I, I had Saquon ranked above him, but, but Geist was not far behind. I mean, he's like as physical as they get, contact balance through the roof. He can stay on his feet through all the contact. Um, but he's got all the traits too. So I feel like if he did want to make a philosophy change with his game – use his quickness more and his acceleration and burst. He's got that to his game too. And he's got the size and stiff arm ability, you know, strength there. We saw that when he shoved Shaq Thomas to the ground, uh, that was a that was a highlight real moment. So he's definitely got all the traits and I you know, you never want to say it was a good thing that he missed the season, which it wasn't, you know, it was terrible that he tore his ACL, but I think that does help a little bit from a wear and tear standpoint. You know, that's one less year of brutal contact 16 games of brutal contact on him he's kind of like he's basically a rookie right now in that sense so that's I think it's a good thing for him but I do I do agree Uh, he may need a philosophy change down the road but I I think the offense really likes the physicality right now and he uh, really showed a lot of promise in that game so I'm going back to Haskins real quick because you were saying and I agree with you about the process it it takes for a rookie quarterback to learn he's learning and you can see he's adding more pieces to his game we saw in this game he was he had some really nice moments in the pocket. I think there was one moment in the second quarter, I want to say, I don't remember, but where he um, he evaded like multiple rushers, rolled out to the left, caught his balance, and delivered a nice pass uh, to Jeremy Sprinkle for a first. It would have been a first down, but Sprinkle dropped it. So he's Haskins is starting to do a better job of ad libbing. Um, I would like to see him be a little more comfortable at this point. I mean, he's got four starts under his belt, but. Hopefully we'll get there. Would you have done something different yesterday maybe to help catalyze Haskins' growth, maybe give him a little more passing opportunities uh, when the team was down because they really they stuck with the run the whole day and you know credit them, they got the win for it. but would you have given Haskins a little more opportunities and opened up the passing game for him?
1: You know, I, I debate that internally uh, over and over. and to me, I think what's important at this stage is to get a guy, get a leader like him comfortable with winning. I think Dwayne is going to have plenty of opportunity to throw lots of passes, and certainly they don't have the weapons that some other teams do. I mean, McLaurin absolutely, I think, has got a a potential to be a top receiver, you know, a top three receiver in this league. You don't have Jordan Reed, uh, you don't have Vernon Davis, so you know you're you're without a couple of really good pass catching tight ends. You know, there are are some other possibilities in terms of receivers, but nothing that really, uh, you know, kind of takes the focus off of McLaurin. So I think what's important right now is getting Haskins used to winning, getting him in that mode of, I can win, I am leading this team. And then you start building on that. And I, I think like so many things in life, there is a building block approach. I think you teach a guy to win, you teach a guy how to lose and come back from that and change his game and evolve his game. Uh, and then you start building on that. So I, I do think that the mix was really good. I, I you know, would like to see him go downfield maybe a bit more. But you know what? I'm not going to complain about a team that puts up 29 points, uh, wins a game, overcomes some adversity, comes back, doesn't get down on themselves. Um, you know, we could second guess Callahan's choice uh, and, and play calling. Uh, you know, and, and whether or not they should have gone downfield more to pass more. But I think getting Dwayne Haskins used to winning getting him in that mode of i can lead this team i think right now is probably the most important building block that you can establish for this guy in a very uh you know with a guy that doesn't have lots of experience
0: yeah yeah I, i agree completely and i think we've seen firsthand you know what a losing environment a ruthless losing environment you know with no bright spots no silver linings we've seen firsthand what that can do to rookie quarterbacks in dc It can suffocate them, you know, that kind of culture. So it really helps to have them win a little bit, you know, to get that window, give him the authority to make him feel like he can direct the fate of this team and really that he can be the guy who makes those pivotal moments happen in those games because it can, I think it can be very easy to overwhelm a rookie QB and be like, oh, I can't control anything here. You know, I'm just, I'm just at the, I'm just at the mercy of the chaos of the football field. And I think it's really good that they're winning right now these these games where they can win like you said earlier and haskins he might not be playing a huge part now but like you said it might be the building blocks for later moments where he is directing those wins uh let's talk it, about, yeah
1: yeah yeah let me just add one thing and, and and if you look at daniel jones of the new york giants you know, he started off gangbusters this year and, and people like oh we could see exactly why he was drafted ahead of dwayne haskins but he's now having his struggles i mean all these quarterbacks whether they be rookie quarterbacks you know or even Patrick Mahomes you know who had this incredible year last year but you know has has you know you know not had as great a year this year you know Lamar Jackson is of course the guy that everybody's talking about but all these teams adapt whether it's a rookie quarterback in his fifth game or a veteran quarterback in his second season or third season you know all these defenses especially the really good ones adapt and and so you're seeing that with Daniel Jones who's now struggling um, and and I think with Haskins, a measured uh, approach to his development, a measured approach to how much he throws the ball, a measured approach to you know how he leads his team, I think is crucial to his development. And I think in this case, it's extremely important because he doesn't have a large body of work to go from.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we also saw Drew Locke make his first start for the Broncos uh, yesterday. I mean, every every young quarterback is going to have the hiccups. It's looking past that, looking at the bigger picture. You know, how can we expedite their growth and make sure that we're funneling and channeling the right energies and making sure that we're, you know, maximizing the potential there. And I really, I really like, I really like that notion. You know, you can you can kind of debate, oh, well, they could have changed this, they could have changed that, but they got the win. Uh, Haskins seems like he's in a better environment than he was a few weeks ago, uh, so they're they're making progress there. We'll see what happens. Um, talking about the win though. It's good from a morale standpoint, it's good to imbue the young players in that culture where, hey, there is a silver lining, you know, you guys have potential, you just got to see it through, but um, I know a lot of people were talking about this, and uh, there was a report the past week that Dan Snyder was evaluating Bruce Allen and his future with the team. For the first time, he was evaluating him seriously, like, hey, I, I don't know if you're the right guy for the job, and that's a big deal because, you know, Allen and Snyder, they're confidants, you know, they're, they're, they're friends, and... Allen has been Snyder's right-hand man for, I think, almost a decade now. So to have him rethinking that marriage is really something, uh, something powerful. Uh, But um, he hasn't made his decision yet. And he hasn't made it off of the body of work that he has now, which means these these next four games are going to go a long way toward deciding that. Do you think it's the best thing for the Redskins to win right now? Because on one hand, you know, it helps the young players. It gives them positive, it gives them (laughs) optimism, and it gives them... A window where they can kind of see where their efforts might take them it's always good to feel like you're getting equitable returns from that but at the same time if winning ultimately keeps Bruce Allen in his spot it might all be for nothing so what do you think about that I know you're I know you I think you're writing an article on that right now something something along that theme
1: yeah, so I I'm, I hope I'm I'm back right now. I was having a little connection issue. Yeah, yeah Ian, I, here's 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 my feeling on this, and, and I know people were talking about you know Miami Dolphins. Oh, they're tanking because they want that first uh, that first pick, and then you know they won a couple of games yesterday. They beat the Eagles, and you're saying, wow, well, you know maybe these guys aren't as bad. Maybe they really weren't trying to tank, and then you look at uh, at Cincinnati, and you know they were what 0 11 or whatever they were, and I think they got their first win yesterday. So you know are they trying to tank? It certainly looks like they're going to get the first pick. I've never been a fan. I don't like the concept of throw games so you get that first pick. You go after the best athlete that's available, and you instill a culture of winning. And when you don't have a culture of winning, no matter what your draft picks are, you're never going to have that culture of winning. So I I think no matter what you always instill in, in the guys that are playing the game, that we're out there to win every game. We're out there to do the best job that we possibly can, and we're not looking to throw this one way or the other. I think the risk that happens with this is that Bruce Allen points to it and say, hey, look, last year I get me a mulligan because nobody could have predicted two quarterbacks breaking their leg. And you cannot blame Daniel Snyder or Jay Gruden or Bruce Allen for two freakish accidents that caused two quarterbacks to break their legs. I don't think I've ever seen that in the NFL ever. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think – Bruce looks at that and says, "Hey, I got to mulligan. You know, we were six and three. Look, we were winning. We were doing well. We had Adrian Peterson. We were doing well, and we kind of faded off there because at the end we had quarterbacks. You know, like like uh, Mark Sanchez, who had never played in this system. You know, came in on a week's notice. So we did the best we could. He gets a few wins now. You know, they go three and nine. Let's say they end the season. Uh, let's say they end the season six and ten. Um, you know, again." He, I think Allen's going to point to that and say, hey, look, I knew that Haskins was the guy from the beginning. Gruden didn't want to play him. Gruden was the problem. We got rid of Gruden. Everything changed. So how about you give me an extra year or two because we're moving in the right direction? And I wonder, I just wonder. I have no empirical evidence to back this up, Ian, but I really wonder if Dan Snyder is so averse to to failure that he sticks with Bruce Allen because to get rid of him now – would admit failure. And I don't know. Only the next three or four months uh, are, are going to tell. I also believe very strongly, and I've written about this, that I think it's obvious that Dan Snyder is tied to names of the past. So he's got Allen, whose father coached the team. He's had Gibbs. He's had Doug. He has Doug Williams in there. He is very much in tune with the winning names of the past, and it's almost like that's his security blanket. So next three or four months are going to tell I'll be honest with you, I think the more they win, the more likely it is that uh, Bruce Allen sticks around for another year, but who's to say?
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, it shouldn't be that way, it really shouldn't, it should be like, all right, Bruce Allen, we're looking at your record for the past eight years, and it's like 47 and 75 or something, that's not great, Uh, so this is a cycle, they've been through time and time again, you know, Uh, optimism, failure, and then the blame game, all the dysfunction, and then right back to the... Right back to step one, and I, I, I do agree with you. I think that um, Snyder is a fan, basically, and maybe he can't stomach the reality that he's run the franchise into the ground. You know, Maybe he can't do that. Maybe he does, he's not willing to admit it, um, but there's been reports. He has seen all the Fire Bruce Allen hashtags on Twitter and everything, that whole movement. He's seen that, and it's, it's crazy. It makes you feel like... It, they're, we're close to a change, but also if he hasn't made a decision yet, then you're also close to Allen staying because if he hasn't made the decision yet, uh, the remaining games are gonna impact that for sure. Um, so it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy that they're in this situation, but this might be the closest they've come to losing Bruce Allen in a long time. So it, it's kind of like a it's kind of like the classic balance. Like what do we value more? You know, the wins that will help our young players' progression, or the, you know, ultimately, getting rid of the guy who might hinder their progression later on, if he st- if he sticks around. So it's going to be interesting, right?
1: Right, and and you know the the, the other big problem that um, uh, you know the Redskins are going to have is even if they move Allen on, um, you're still dealing with that reputation of um, you know maybe an impetuous owner. Now, when Dan Snyder took over this team twenty years ago. The the knock on Dan was he's impetuous. He fired North Turner three games ago in the season, and they were still in the playoffs. Mathematically, still in the playoffs, and he fired a head coach. Um, And we griped and groaned about Dan Snyder's impetuousness. You know, in fairness to Dan Snyder, he gave Jay Cruton a lot of years. Uh, He's given Bruce Allen a lot of years. Um, And so it's hard to maybe make that argument that Dan Snyder is impetuous, um, and, and you do have to kind of give him credit for having some patience here. Probably more than certainly I would have had, and I've written about that. It just drives me crazy. I would have yeah. hired the guy five seasons ago. But if you have that reputation of somewhat dysfunctional uh, organization, where are you going to get that really great football mind that steps in and says, okay, you're going to be the owner, but I am not going to tolerate you messing in the football business. You let me run the team. You let me run the coaching you let me get the pieces that we need, and when I need something, and I need the money to back that up, you're the guy to do it. And I don't know if Dan Snyder is really capable of doing that, so we shall see.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it seems like whenever they've had voices like that, they just don't listen. So it's like, like, oh yeah, well, we've been here longer. We're just going to do it the old school way, you know? That's the tried and true way. Well, yeah, it is, but the NFL is changing, and sometimes you need to kind of be introspective about that. And that's something that Snyder. If he can't do it, or if he can do it, he's not willing to. And same goes from Bruce Allen. You know, oh, we're close last year. Seven and nine means you're close. I mean, mathematically, kind of, not really even. But then looking even deeper into the issues, you know, you could tell this team was far away from contention. So living in that denial is not a good way to run a franchise. And I agree with you. If they just keep going like that, then nothing's going to change. But hopefully, I mean, they can get a strong voice who can kind of contrast that. So we'll see. We'll see. I, it, it's, it sucks that it's on the table still, but it is. It truly is. And uh, all the fans want to get excited about a win uh, where Darius guys stiff-armed a guy into oblivion and where the defense suffocated Carolina's offense. And if, if any win is going to get you excited, it should be that, right? But then, no, you look at the bigger picture, and, well, maybe this win is what dooms us to more years of mediocrity. So... I don't know. It should never be like that, you know, but that's that's where we're at right now, and that's unfortunate, but next week they play the Packers. Um, I, I'm willing to bet it's a lower chance of winning in that one, but if they win that, I think Bruce Allen could just sign his ticket to come back because, like, Dan Snyder is not going to be able to look past. the. He's not going to be able to see the bigger picture after that. He's going to say, oh, yeah, we beat the leading NFC North team, and like, oh, yeah. But uh, we, we lost nine other games, and our, our team is in dysfunction still. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's an unfortunate situation, but uh, it is what it is. We're almost out of time here. Uh, so, David, I'll let you real quick, um, one last point, just anything that you haven't said that yet that you want to say. could be about the Panthers game, uh, the whole Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder situation. Any of that, just something lingering on your mind that you want to get off your chest?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, I, I've been very negative uh, this year on the Redskins, certainly, you know, when they were you know, 1-6, 1-7 you know, 2-8 uh, you know, it, it's, it's easy to be you know, very negative about them. I think you know, I'd rather take away the positives on this I think there were some veterans out there that did show some really good leadership um, I, I think that the Redskins are doing their best to support uh, and develop uh, Dwayne Haskins. I'm not sold I, I don't think that Bill Callahan is the the next full-time coach of the Redskins. But I do have to give the man credit for at least establishing a, a, a modicum of, of, of winning attitude of personality on this team. Um, and I think that if they go into green Bay um, and, and I don't look for them to win this, but you know what, if this is a game that's say 27, 23 or, or 21, 17 or, or, you know, 30, 27 and the Redskins put up a good fight and, and they're in it until the end. And it's, uh, you know, then I think there really is something to build on. So, you know, I, I always want to remain positive. I, I admit I'm a homer. I'm a fan. I, I've rooted for the Redskins all my life. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the game, but I want to see the Redskins do well. And, and so hopefully this last game, these last couple of games, and maybe a couple of real strong showings with a few more wins the rest of the season at least gets them in the mindset of we can win.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully Dan Snyder will see this potential and be like, I know Bruce Allen's not the answer. So I should relieve him of his duties and uh, move forward with the right plan in place. So we'll see if he has that foresight. Um, He hasn't yet, but um, you think as a human he can learn. But uh, everyone has that capacity. We'll see what happens. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time. Thanks, David, for coming on. I'd love to get you on again sometime. He's got a piece coming up, guys, so be on the lookout for that. Um, In the meantime, peace out. Have a good night.